Hi, this is Alana with the Dealing with Donor Conception podcast. This is episode three, and we're going to talk about the five big reasons to oppose third-party reproduction, but we're going to focus on one. And then in the next few podcasts, I'm just going to expand um, and give you all five. But um, I did a few activism, like political activism things in the last few years. I um, participated uh, in the opposition of a surrogacy bill in Louisiana. Um, I've done a few other things. And I had to put into words in a very quick amount of time, you know, why these practices have moral issues and why it's not as simple as just bringing home a dear baby. It's, you know, an innocent and family building. And a lot of people, they, they think that third-party reproduction is just helping people create families. And for a certain percentage, it might be benign in that way. But it, if you really look at it, if you really pay attention to how the fertility industry works and the ethical alternatives, you'll see that maybe there's something more to consider here about the, the ethics of these services that people use. So sperm donation, egg donation, surrogacy, what are we actually dealing with? And um, so... I did a campaign called The Big Five Reasons We Should Oppose Third-Party Reproduction. And those five um, five issues in a nutshell are because it involves eugenics, it involves abortion, it involves human trafficking, serious health risks, and broken kinship bonds. And right now for this podcast, I'm going to teach you about Broken kinship bonds, which is the initial reason I got interested in the ethics of sperm donation, egg donation, and surrogacy, or third-party reproduction. Um, if you are familiar with who I am, um, I am donor-conceived, so I was conceived using an anonymous sperm donor. I was born in 1986. I was taught that everything's good and right, and just perfect and dandy with the use of third-party reproduction. and But I did have a problem with the anonymity of it. So I decided I was going to change the system. And when I was 20 years old, I decided to become an egg donor, but an open ID egg donor. And so I did that. I did it twice. And I, apparently I have two, maybe three, maybe more children I don't know about. Um, who were conceived using my eggs, and I have not met them, and I don't know anything about the families. Um, I have since regretted that decision, which does not make me a hypocrite. People always say, oh, you're against it. Well, that makes you a hypocrite because you did it. No. You're a hypocrite when you say something's bad, and then you do it at the same time. You are um, informed when you have participated in something and because of your experience, you now reject that um, thing or concept or whatever. But the, the, at that point when I was a teenager, I knew that people should know where they come from, 
which is why I wanted to Sunlight Eggs open ID. And so broken kinship bonds, let me share with you a little bit about historically why these are important and how throughout human history it's been granted that people should know from whom they come. So I'll just start by saying in the UN Declaration of the Rights of the Child, Articles 6, 7, and 8 talk about every child has the right to life, the right to, as far as possible, be cared for by one's own mother and father, and the preservation of identity and kinship bonds. Third-party reproduction is clearly a violation against those human rights because it's companies and grown-up adults who are deliberately making sure a child is not being raised by one's own mother and father and that one, one's identity and kinship bonds are not being preserved. So it's a violation of the UN Declaration of the Rights of the Child. So people who are conceived via third-party reproduction were deprived of either our father or our mother or often enough both. And so every instance where a child is deliberately separated from at least one biological parents, um, that's a big injustice to the child. And I say this as a divorced woman, or soon-to-be divorced woman. Um, it's, it's still an injustice. So we're creating children in, this ways, in these ways, and we're asking them to embrace these identities that are just void, void of a biological parent or two, and we're denying children rights as full citizens, as human beings, because the most lucid thread of our common humanity is that we arrive by way of one man and one woman, our father and our mother. And so you can't, as a society, you can't on the one hand say fathers are disposable and at the same time say that they're essential. You can't say that mothers are disposable through egg donation and surrogacy and at the same time say that, that they're essential. you got to pick. Do we need mothers or not? Hmm? Do we need fathers or not? And then create laws accordingly. So there's been a lot of research already done on the negative effects of fatherlessness on children. So, for example, 90% of all homeless and runaway youth, 90% of them come from fatherless homes. 80% of rapists come from fatherless homes. And girls who grew up without their father are 711% more likely to become teen moms, 92% more likely to get a divorce. And divorce sucks. So, this is all, these are all legitimate s stats created by, uh, I think I got this from fatherhood.org. President Obama has said on record that uh, fatherlessness is a, is a huge social issue. It's simply not controversial. Kids without fathers suffer. Okay, but what about kids without mothers? Because um, we're doing that now. That seems to be the new trend because 
deliberate motherlessness is really lucrative. You make a ton of money as a surrogacy attorney uh, breaking that bond. But historically, the survival of the motherless child was always in jeopardy. The, the, the big thing about infant mortality was, did the mother die? Then the, the child's more likely to die. With, without a mother, mothers seem to be the protectors of the child's physical well-being. And, you know, they've done studies on failure to thrive. Like, there are babies who die just because no one cuddled them. Not to mention, like, breast milk. If you, Breast milk is, people think vaccines are, like, the big thing you need to do for your immune system. Breast milk is, in fact, actually the thing you need to do if you want your child to have a good immune system because breast milk is a probiotic. It's a superfood. It, it um, offers the child all the mother's immunity. It creates a fantastic microbiome of, of good germs in the child's gut and those good germs are going to be the soldiers that go out and fight the bad germs should the child ever be exposed to a disease so the the physical clinical benefits of a mother to a, a young child are profound profound and mothers also have something called uh, nervous system mimicry so one of the reasons women cry more at the movies is because we have nervous system mimicry. So when we see somebody crying, our nervous system kicks in and like copies that person. Like, and, and we feel what they feel and, or are more likely to if everything's working correctly in our brain. And so our capacity to, to correctly interpret nonverbal communication which children are nonverbal, um, we, ha- we have like four times the capacity to correctly I- identify nonverbal communication as opposed to men. So that comes in handy with small children, which is why their survival m- greatly hinges on an attentive mother or present mother or a mother period. And Surrogacy and a lot of egg donation, they just skip over that fact. Um, they try to minimize that. So anyways, um, now we've got gestational carriers and we've got egg donors and we've dehumanized these women and tried to parcel them off into service providers and really minimize their contact with the child because we don't want them. We, d- we would never want our gestational carrier to develop a bond. That would be bad for business. So what's the world going to look like without mothers? We are now going to be finding out and donor conceived people like me will soon be telling all their stories. So, and I'm going to be publishing them through the podcast, through anonymousus.org. So please, please go to anonymousus.org if you were deliberately motherless and write your story. We'd love to hear it. But back on to broken kinship bonds. Um, in the 1970s, there was a man named Alex Haley who was a best-selling author. He wrote a book called Roots. And Roots was about his decade-long search to uncover his genealogy. Alex Haley was an African-American man, and he wrote this book about how tedious it was to figure out 
his genealogy. So he relied on stories from his relatives, and he did a lot of genius detective work, and he was able to trace his ancestry all the way back to Gambia, um, where his ancestor, Kunta Quinte, was kidnapped and trafficked into slavery. So Roots was turned into a TV miniseries, and in fact, it still holds the title as the most watched TV series in American history, which tells us that it hit a chord with people. It resonated. So Haley's work, it spurred this revolution in family reunions, and, and America seemed to agree that there's an importance in knowing whom and where you come from. Haley also wrote the biography for a man named Malcolm X. A lot of people, they're familiar with, they've heard that name. Malcolm X was a um, civil rights leader. He was assassinated. He was so effective, actually. And what he fought for was um, the, equal, the equal dignity of black men and women. And he used an X in replacement for his last name as a symbolic statement directly criticizing the way in which slave traders removed people from their families, alienated them from their biological kin, alienated them from their cultural heritage. We're doing this all over again with third-party reproduction, especially anonymous third-party reproduction. So I really can't stand the fact that we're repeating history and people seem to think that the good guys are the human traffickers. I just, just because babies seem so innocent. Um, if you're making babies, you must be the good guy. But there is, there's a way to make babies that is great and ethical and awesome and innocent. But when you deliberately remove people from their ancestors and their and their heritage. I'm sorry, but it's a little bit more like slavery than than other things. So No, there's no chains in, you know, third-party production. There's no chains, there's no there's no whips. But on this point of identity loss, I think there's some really strong parallels. And since we've already had this debate in pretty recent history, it's kind of ridiculous that donor can see, pe see people have to take this fight all over again. Okay, so that's pretty much all I wanted to say as far as broken kinship bonds. Um, although, actually, no. The stolen generation in Australia, that's what I wanted to talk about. Okay. So you think this is just an American thing. People all over the world for a long time have, have taken people from their families. And another recent case um, in Australia, the, the aboriginals were stolen from their families and placed in foster care systems um, with white families in Australia. And they did this from 1910 um, to uh, 1970, 1973. And they, it was like an assimilation program, and they thought that, you know, 
In order to make aboriginals more equal, they just need to be raised in white families. And so they would just kidnap these kids and put them in white families. But nobody was happy. These kids were basically treated as, um, you know, indentured servants in their foster families. And they they protested. when Whenever they grew up and had the ability to do so, they protested the separation. And the Australian government has actually come up with a former, formal apology, apologized to these people, apologized to the families, apologized to the women whose children were stolen, the fathers whose children were stolen. And it's, it's an interesting read. You can, um, there's, videos about it. What am I missing here? Yeah, it was an assimilation it was an assimilation policy that just just failed. So check that out. I'm sure there's other examples in history, but those are the ones that um that I wanted to speak about today. Now the next podcast I'm gonna be going into the other reasons third party reproduction is wrong. And so remember, that's going to be eugenics, abortion, human trafficking, and serious health risks. So I think I'm going to start with eugenics uh, in the next podcast episode. Very fascinating topic. Um, The sperm trade was rooted in eugenics. So don't miss that. Um, Check out our last podcast episode too, which is how to tell your child that they're donor conceived. And just subscribe and keep updated. And I'm going to be giving you guys freebies in the future. And thank you so much. Thank you so much. This is Alana with the Dealing with Donor Conception podcast.